the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Welcome back, everybody, as we uh, move on to uh, the second half of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. We have uh, with us for this week's edition of Armchair Politics our roundtable regulars. We have Paul Rosicki on the left. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. Henry, welcome back. Thank you. And joining the roundtable this week, we have uh, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton joining us as well. Bobby, welcome back. Hey, thanks a lot. And just before we uh, broke at the end of the last hour, we were talking about uh, the how the upcoming Democratic uh, plan for returning to school in the fall might differ from the Republican plan just recently announced. And, and I sort of teased that uh, I had spoken with um, State Representative Cheryl Kennedy from the 48th District from uh, Davison, a Democrat, um, who has her career has been in education and she's working with uh, various education committees in Lansing and they've been uh, teleconferencing and holding uh, all-day sessions talking about just this sort of thing what to do when you get you know when when the kids get back in the fall what happens if you get two weeks in and you start discovering kids with cases of uh COVID-19 that then have to be, you know, bounced out for quarantine. Can they continue in a distance learning kind of way? So they're, they're coming up with all kinds of what ifs and, and what to do when uh, kinds of scenarios. I, I thought the Republican plan was kind of interesting by rescinding some of the snow days in favor of distanced learning. Now that, <laughs> now that, that. we have it, we don't have to give you snow days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Well, a lot of what's going to happen to education will be decided by WHO in the circumstances and CHC, CDC. Mm. So, um, and the governor, as she's doing right now, and uh, that will fall to school districts. That will be something that will be preeminent with somebody else. 
And I think you're right, Henry. We're going to have, we're going to be playing by ear for a long time. We just, I mean, we've changed our views on some of the details of the coronavirus in the last couple of months already about how it's spread and the importance of masks and lots of other details. And I suspect that's going to keep happening in the months to come. And yeah, I think we're going to we're not we're going to have a hard time putting together a single plan that's going to stay in place forever. I think we're going to be modifying it as the as the, the virus changes and as we react to it. And we can't stay in this mode forever. we got to break out and let yeah. the parts of the population die at will, just like you do anything else. We, we well, I heard can't. Dr. Fauci say that he expects that, or he certainly has positive thinking about the possibility of a vaccine. Yeah, uh, we've got to work at that. Stages. I think once we get to the point where there is a vaccine and it's available, uh, it'll put us back over the hump. Um, I wanted to go back to Dr. Kennedy, Cheryl Kennedy. She is my rep, and I know her. And uh, she's mine as well. Yeah. You too, she's my rep. And yep, and I can say we can be proud of her. She has been a school principal. She worked her way up from being a classroom teacher. Uh, she knows the educational system. She knows the needs of districts. She knows everything about what it's to be to work in the classroom, and I am so happy that she is in Lansing and is sitting on all of these committees because she represents us well. She does. She does. I've yes. known her myself She's, for quite a while. And she, there's no arrogance about her at all. She's uh, down nope. to earth, and she's a straight shooter. Well, yep. she, was, like she, was, she was on the show Monday, um, and that's up on the archives if anybody wants to check it out. It's going to uh, it's going to air again toward the end of July as we come up on the uh, uh, primary election in August. Although most of the voting is going to happen long before election day, I fear. Um, but all of the candidates running in that forty eighth district in the primaries will. Uh, were featured on uh, Monday's show, and that, like I say, will will repeat again uh, next month. Um, but it is on the archives if you want to check it out. Also, a little program note: tomorrow, doing the 50th uh, district state house uh, candidates, and all five of those candidates will be on the show, including the incumbent uh, Tim Sneller. Um, and there's an interesting. Uh, situation going on in that particular <laughs> yeah. race with a married couple who are running in opposing primaries one is running as a republican one is running as a democrat <laughs> and they can't the, miss the, the freiburgers right yeah. yeah that's going to be it's going to be a fun race to watch there <laughs> and lynn and lynn and ray will be on the show tomorrow uh in the early part of the show um together and uh, we'll oh, see if they stay together <laughs> through, through this. Well, I think, I think if I'm not wrong, and I may be wrong, but I think Mr. Freiberger has run before as a Republican. Uh, I know he ran before. Didn't he, didn't he run for mayor uh, of Burton at one point? Well, he's, he's mm -hmm. registered as, uh, uh, at least for this uh, campaign, as a Democrat. He's running in I the... Know. He, he's uh, running in the primary against the incumbent, uh, Tim Sneller. And then uh, she's running as a Republican. And there mm -hmm. are two other Republicans uh, running in the, in the primary in the, uh, in the 50th. 
And uh, anyway, they're all, all five of them will be on the show tomorrow. We will have to listen to that. Oh yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's really good to see the Republicans come back because we've we haven't had uh, but one Republican or two at uh, the most over the last twenty years uh, sent to the legislature. They've been all Democrats. We have not had the mix that we we need to develop good public policy. But I think Tom, this is the great. That's a great service. I've said this before. It's a great service that's you're the the only one who are interviewing all the candidates, making those interviews available to to the public. I think that's a well. I'm trying particularly. I'm, I'm trying particularly to at now, least get into all of the uh, uh, all of the races where there are contests in yeah. August. There are a great many of them where one Republican is running and one Democrat is running. There are some that are running completely yeah. unopposed. But in those races where there are contests uh, for the August primary, I'm trying to get as many of those on, especially some of the uh, judgeships. There's an, yeah, there's yeah an, I was wondering, are you going to have um, Christensen and Maribel on? Friday. Okay, I have to listen to that one too. And, uh, again, um, I, I did the uh, 67th District Court because uh, the 5th Division, the, the Flint Court, um, has an open seat. Um, Judge Perry uh, was um, aged out. Turned up, yeah. And mm -hmm. so there is uh, an open seat there and four candidates. And yeah. that's unusual to have that many, you know, candidates squaring off for, for a seat on the bench. And uh, all four of them have been on the show already. Um, I think all four of them are pretty well qualified, if I remember the list. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. And there, there are other interesting uh, state house races as well. And and I've had those candidates on. And you can, uh, you know, search my Facebook page to find dates and go to the uh, uh, archives and find those interviews. Or uh, watch for postings uh, because in July I'm doing a whole week of, you know, uh, the different, uh, you know, three uh, state house seats and uh, at least two judicial seats. There may be some others as well in there. Plus, I interviewed the uh, Libertarian candidate for president and the two Republicans that are running in the primary to take on uh, Dan Kildee in the fall. Um, mm -hmm. There, there are some some interesting uh, interviews already up and and yet to come, as I as I try and get those all in. Um, You're doing God's work. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not sure sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job. I, I made mention of that in my upcoming art, my upcoming preview of the August primary. That that this is all available at the Tom Sumner show. So it'll be in East Village Magazine as well. Please well, thanks for that. I appreciate that that yeah. uh, that had tip. Um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer on uh, June 12th announced her statute of limitations freeze would end on June 20th, the day after the state of emergency was set to expire. That has been extended to July 15th as kind of an update to this story. But um, this applies to criminal or civil matters in Michigan trial courts but won't impact federal cases. Since March 23rd, many Michigan courts have severely restricted activity and access to slow spread of the coronavirus. This made it difficult or impossible 
for certain cases to proceed in order to avoid situations in which the statute of limitations expired during uh, court restrictions, Whitmer suspended the filing limitations. That means uh, any case less than 102 days past the ordinary statute of limitations, the length of time the suspension has been in place, may still be filed. <laughs> Will this have any impact in the filing of criminal charges related to the Flint water crisis? <laughs> I've heard well, many people it speculate. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the people here still want to fight that battle, but we need to get past that so the city of Flint can grow under its new mayor start something new. Well, how much and, of and what's, what's pending in court about the water crisis is civil matter or criminal matter? Well, it's, it's my understanding yeah. that all the criminal charges have been dropped and none have been yeah. refiled. Well, there, there was only one real definitive criminal matter, and that was changing that data. And nobody, everybody seems to think that it's okay to let it slide. But well, that is criminal... not something that you want to slide. Is the criminal stuff still under consideration, or is that a dead letter altogether at this point? Because I, I thought that I thought there was a statement that somehow the statute of limitations was kind of a rolling date for certain kind of activities, and that was still at least potentially a live issue. But yeah, but the, doesn't that, I don't know that that applies to civil cases. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. No, it doesn't yeah, apply I to civil think. cases. That's about the criminal charges, and and I yeah. limited my question to to that. Are we going to see those criminal charges? Because what you're talking about, Paul, and I remember talking about it here on this show, is, um, you know, those cases were dropped and then people had concerns that the statute of limitations was going to make it impossible to, you know, continue exactly. those investigations and, and ultimately file charges. And we were told that uh, exactly what you said, Paul, that the... Um, that different things happened at different times. So the start date of the switch to the Flint River for the water source was not the starting date to run the clock on uh, the statutes of, of limitation. Um, and then coronavirus hit. And and we haven't really heard much since. There have been a couple little things here, a little, you know, little comments by... Um, Hamoud and and worthy sort of said we're 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 working on it. I mean, yeah, you're right. A few statements here or there, but it's surprising how little has been said about that. But but why yeah. didn't those cases move to the courts on that regular time scan span? Because that is what the law demands that you move these things in a timely manner through the court system. Why didn't that happen? Was it because of race and gender and stuff like that that interfered? Or was it because of something else? I, well, my, my impression is that it was about party politics and that Democrats But Republicans dropped, don't have any, they don't, they have no jurisdiction in Flint. Democrats dropped the uh, charges that were filed under the Republican Attorney General. And... Um, said that they would uh, refile, that they had botched the investigation and they were launching their own investigation and would file charges. And that was the last we heard of it, actually. Yeah. 
And, and I'm not sure where we are with that, except that we are at a point where we need to take a short break. But we will come <laughs> back and uh, continue Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. I was telling you a little while ago about my wife, and I don't want you to be confused, but we were, I've been married more, more than once. In fact, I've been married three, three times. But my first two wives each died a very tra- tragic death. 
My first wife died from eating poisoned mushrooms. And my second wife died from a fractured skull. She wouldn't eat her mushrooms. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with Armchair Politics uh, this week on the Tom Sumner Program with uh, Bobby Clayton Walton joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. Um, let's see. We were ta- uh, let's uh, let's go to this one uh, before we go to national stuff. I want to tr- try and squeeze in one more from here in Michigan. Legislation signed by former Governor Rick Snyder to allow construction of a Line 5 tunnel beneath the Straits of Mackinac is constitutional, the Michigan Court of Appeals ruled Thursday. Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Attorney General Dana Nessel, who have said they want Line 5, which carries crude oil and gas liquids, removed from the environmentally sensitive Straits, They sought to overturn the statute, allowing the construction of a proposed tunnel to encase a replacement for Line 5. Nessel issued an opinion that said the legislation approved by the GOP-controlled legislature and signed by Snyder, also a Republican, violated technical constitutional requirements related to how closely the bill's title corresponded with the text of the bill. Uh, Embridge then sued, seeking a declaration the legislation was constitutional. Nessel and Whitmer lost in the Michigan Court of Claims in October, and the Michigan Court of Appeals upheld that decision. This is likely to continue in the state Supreme Court. Uh, Do you think they'll uphold the previous rulings, and what does that mean for the future of the pipeline? Hmm. Is that a political question or a technical one? I haven't read the opinion. It'd be hard to make, make a judgment on that. Yeah, same here. I my only thought, my my first reaction was, I hope they deferred to the engineers on this. That, that there's some sound engineering data that means something solid. Well, the, the project was Paul. As as I understand it, uh, Bobby, the project was completely signed off on yeah. and set to go, but in the yes, final, but in the final days of uh, the Rick Snyder administration. So the new administration came in who had opposed that action in the uh, in the campaign, you know, leading up to their uh, uh, victories and um, went back and tried to undo something that was already in place. Right. But it seems like the question before the court was, did the act violate the, the, the act that created this? this alternative, did it violate the Constitution regarding the title of the bill and the content? So how did they judge? Because that was the only question before them, is my understanding. Well, I think it was uh, really based on the safety of that pipeline and whether it could uh, it could prevent, it had all of the structure that would prevent a release of oil in the Straits of Mackinac. But that's, that's what it was about. Yeah. Yeah. But so, and I, and I believe that the two sides should get together and resolve that. That is not something that should be political. That, uh, 
the governor and her staff need to resolve that with the Republicans who put it together in the first place. All we well, want to do is to make I sure it has secondary containment and that it won't release oil into the Straits of Macon. I don't What I'm asking is, it sounds like that the current administration didn't have anything to hang it on, and they picked this thing about the title of the bill and the content of the bill as the only thing that they had to bring forth to the court. That sounds yeah. like what I'm hearing. Yeah, it sounds like uh, politics, but we need to get past that. And then the recent story about some, some new damage caused by a ship's anchor makes this right. even more critical. Yeah. They need to make sure that there's no danger of rupture of that pipe that yeah. will pour out thousands of gallons of oil per minute. You could well, really... my understanding was they stopped pumping oil through that pipe because of the so-called danger from the anchor. Well, that's repairable. Or they yeah. can they can encase that inside of a secondary containment structure so that it would so that the anchor uh, could not crack it. And, and also there are regulations on ships, how far an anchor needs to, to go down. And, and uh, those kind of things need to be resolved before we pro, uh, proceed with it. I agree with the governor if that's her case, if that's what she's interested. Not all of the constitutional verbiage, but to get down to the point where you resolve the problem. Well, especially if she has taken as her overall uh, focus, and that's what she said when she took office, is the health and safety of the people of Michigan. Yeah, and to preserve our natural resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move on to um, something else. This is uh, something interesting. Michigan has launched an online platform to allow registered voters another means of digitally requesting an absentee ballot. On Friday, June 12th, the Secretary of State's office announced the online absentee voter application platform, which is available at michigan.gov forward slash vote. To apply for an absentee ballot, registered voters must use their driver's license or state ID in the last four digits of their social security number. They must also use the online tool to send the handwritten signature they provided for their driver's license or state ID card. Last month, Benson announced that all registered uh, Michigan voters would be mailed applications to request absentee ballots for the upcoming August and November elections. The effort, she said, is to maintain social distancing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Will most voters use this option, and will it increase voter participation? I would, they I would use not, the option. I'm going to say <laughs> yes on both, probably. I, I think. Yeah. Based upon yeah, what I happened in, in May, we saw a significant increase in what would normally be a very low turnout election. And from at least the reaction you're seeing right off the bat now, I think we're going to see, maybe for the first time, a majority, maybe a significant majority of voters, going to the uh, the absentee ballot route. I want to give a toot to communities, I'm sorry, Barbara, who followed the governor's mandate of social distancing and wearing a mask. But people in Kyle who go into Walmart, Menards, um, and other places, they're always wearing the mask. And maybe the people around them require that 
you don't see any fistfights or any arguments out there. The people in flat do the same thing, most of them. So guys, yeah, well, I think people are some. paying attention. I've seen some. I, I shop at Myers, and I see some walking around ignoring everything, and others that are participating. I, I've but, been out to a couple of places. I, I go to Myers uh, and um, and Kroger's in, in Davison, and I, what I'm seeing is about half and half. Yeah, it's about what I think, too. But going back to well, the no. question of the absentee voting, uh, look at what happened in Kentucky yesterday. They had a turnout of over 30%, and they had a lot of it was absentee voting. Well, I find this especially interesting because for years we've been talking about ways to reform voting and get more people to participate. And and the question that becomes, is necessity the mother of invention? It may be. And, you know, the interesting for all the talk, remember all the worry people had about uh, computers being hacked and, and, and databases being hacked and so forth? Here, with the absentee, you've got a, a paper ballot right off the bat I mean, it, it, it may be the most secure thing around compared to some of the other options that we've been talking about in recent years. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. I want to go back to the question of why haven't we done this before. Um, if you remember, I did run for state senate a few years ago, and my opponent um, was the chair of the committee in the Senate that heard all legislation that came regarding voter reform, and he would never allow any of those bills to get out of committee. Hmm. So that was a political like, move. That was the, the that was politics. Definitely, it definitely was politics, and it didn't benefit the voters of the state. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 mildly optimistic that we're going to see a significant increase in turnout because of this. I and there are, with other events going on too, but I think the the ease of voting is going to not only is going to increase turnout, but another thought occurs to me is that now, for the, first, for the first time, voters are going to have a chance to take the ballot and just simply study it. I mean, they can take the ballot and they can go to the, the Sumner Show and see the interview of the candidates as they think about how they're going to vote. They can read the uh, proposals in some detail rather than standing in the, in the booth for, for five minutes and trying to go through the thing. So I think that the reality is you may not only have more voters, but they may be better informed than somebody just walking in sort of cold turkey and casting their ballots as they, as they often do. So it may be an improvement in several ways. True. And I think a lot of the people before, like young par parents of young children who found it difficult to get to the polls, will be more participatory uh, than they were. Also true, yeah. Well, we but, talked about know, all kinds of things, and there have been things tried in other states, you know, Saturday voting and... Um, you know, all of these different variations. And uh, it, it seems like, um, you know, no cause uh, absentee voting or early voting, uh, as it's called in some states, is uh, really something that, that works well and encourages more participation. Yeah, but you know, I I believe that with all the discussions that we have, and we can't seem to trust anybody. There's a Democrat, Republicans. There's black, white. There's all of that stuff going on, and people now believe that they have a right to cheat if they can. I believe that. I believe. I don't know, but the number of people who cheat has been demonstrated that it's less than one one percent. Is it, Paul? 
Oh, much less. Much, much, much less than one percent. We can live yeah. with that, except in a district like a small community where a person wins by one or two votes. But by and large, in larger systems, uh, it works well, and we can put up with it. That's, yeah, the, the, the that's this, cases. Go ahead, go ahead, Henry. Well, you know, uh, most things, even dealing with a space shot. Uh, if you can get 99% of the system to work correctly, you're in great shape. Yeah. And on, on, on that very point, Henry, I was going to say that the provable cases of voter fraud are just minuscule. I mean, for all the talk and, and blather about voter fraud, there's just been so few cases out of millions, billions of votes cast in the last few decades, just a handful of, of genuine fraud cases. And even some of those were simply mistakes. Cases, uh, there was a case in Western Michigan University where a couple of foreign students tried to vote, not because they were trying to cheat, they just thought it was kind of an American custom and they wanted to be part of the crowd, so they showed up and, you know, got in some trouble for it briefly. But it wasn't any attempt to throw an election for anybody, it just was a simple mistake. So yeah, the provable cases of genuine fraud are, are just so are very very rare. They are, and I think actually um, it would have to be a massive, massive fraud in order for it to even have an impact on on whether somebody won or lost. Um, yeah, I and I think because I worked on an election contest back in Texas when I lived there back in the seventies, and all of the cases that we we all of the votes that we were able to show that were not so-called legal were people who inadvertently voted out of their district. You know, they they may be close to the line or they may have once lived there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear, because I was the main researcher on the project, that there wasn't an intention that much to cheat, just not that much. Yeah, yeah. But, but you do have to check voter ID. You know, you just can't have... We have People a training. Walk in. I put. I sat through the training that the Democratic Party offered for what the new law requires, and um, I have to tell you, it is pretty airtight. It's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty. If good. you got voter ID there, and and people can prove who they are, and you just look at that and whatever characteristic that person has, that just their ID, then they should be allowed to go without harassment. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to move on to a couple more things before we uh, run into the next break. Um, I-, I want to talk about uh, President Trump being out on the campaign trail again. He uh, decided to hold his uh, first campaign rally in months on the holiday uh, that is known as Juneteenth. Um, yeah. Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up moving that. He said about that, we had previously scheduled our MAGA rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma for June 19th, a big deal, he tweeted. Unfortunately, however, this would fall on the Juneteenth holiday. Many of my uh, African-American friends and supporters have reached out to suggest that we consider changing the date out of respect for this holiday and in observance of this important occasion and all that it represents. I've therefore decided to move our rally to Saturday, June 20th, in order to honor their request. Was that empathy or strategy? Strategy. <laughs> strategy. <laughs> strategy. That's what because you got to have. Yeah. Because, because the people who are 
are uh, attached to the Democratic Party are not easy to really get released. Those people are very, very loyal. loyal. And, um, and I think that he had to have a strategy to get the blacks out and to dis- demonstrate them in, in uh, numbers. And they did that. When you, when you looked at the faces of the people that did show up at his rally, I didn't see that many black faces. I didn't see that many people of color of any sort. You rarely do. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was in Oklahoma, and and you don't add, that's not a state with the largest black population either. No, but you have a lot of Native Americans. Yeah, you got a lot of Native Americans, but I thought he did quite well as far as bringing that element out. It encouraged other people to break this dominant One dominance that, that Democrats have over address, black. address the issue of Black Wall Street and the number of people. That oh yeah, that. yeah, Black Wall Street. Selection of Tulsa yeah. was just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, what was your question? Well, the, well, the one you said, thing that you said there weren't that many black people, and I was just pointing out there are. Well, and yeah. one of the things that's been talked about about that particular rally, um, and, and one that hasn't, the one that hasn't is that he spoke for ninety minutes. You could tell he 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 misses the big crowds. Um, but the the subject of the crowd, uh, you know, it was it was expected to be this this big blowout with. Uh, you know, overflow because they were going to pack this stadium, and they didn't. But they had 6,200 people. That's the biggest gathering that has happened this year. And I I think um, the numbers are playing too much of a role in, uh, you know, the that debate over the numbers and comparing it to the inauguration and the controversy over how big the crowd was and all that. I, I, I think it's significant enough to say that the uh, the, the president had a good turnout for his... With social distances, there are people out there that's going to obey the WHO and the CDC. Well, one thing yeah. that had to scare people off was the fact you had to sign a waiver saying you weren't going to sue the Republican National Committee. If you that's, not, <laughs> that's not going to encourage folks very well. That's what we have to do for school. So. Yeah, it is. But I think the issue, the issue is how much he has made out of crowd size. In Trump's um, vernacular, and his speaking about his own popularity and his own uh, skill, is the number of people he's able to bring out. If that had been a Joe Biden event and there had been 100 people there, he would have been happy. Donald Trump is not happy unless he's got them hanging from the rafters and crawling in, a, in the windows. But people like that. The people like him I that know. way. You know, well, I, it's like, that's why the issue of numbers was important, not because it mattered, yeah. because it mattered to him. Yeah, because pe- it mattered people, to people go where people are. Uh, yeah. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced Tuesday that the second general election presidential debate will be hosted in Miami, Florida, after its original host, University of Michigan, backed out due to coronavirus concerns. The university was set to host the second of three general election presidential debates between President Donald Trump and the presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden on Thursday, October 15th. Now the debate will be held at the... uh, uh, Adrian Arsht 
Center for the Performing Arts in Miami, which hosted the first Democratic debates of the 2020 primary last year. Uh, the university confirmed Tuesday in a statement that it would no longer be hosting. Is Florida the president's go-to for alternative scheduling? It seems like it these days, yeah. Uh, and politically, I can see his logic there, too. Uh, I, had, I had mixed feelings when I heard that. I mean, I understand the coronavirus concerns, but it was when they first announced that a long time ago, it was nice that, that Michigan was going to be able to host that. But, so it goes. but Florida, Florida is a great state for, for uh, well, swing Hispanics state? to vote Republican. Yeah, and they have a lot of Republicans there. So it's a, it's a very good choice by the president to move his... Uh, move the debates there. And politically, Henry, you're right, politically, Florida may be more of a swing state than Michigan is this year. Yes. At least yes. at the moment. Uh, I think so. Florida has a lot of older people he's losing. You get older people right. as well. That's right. Yeah. And, he, and it also has a very friendly governor who follows along behind Trump and does whatever Trump wants. That's, and that's good. <laughs> yeah, so what he has is um, a friendly governor and people that are willing to go along with whatever he asks. But that's what you got to have to win. That's the American way. <laughs> that would also be true with uh, the Joe Biden. He'd have to go where he has all these African Americans. You know, just everywhere. If you go to big cities, you find out where the African Americans are, and then you give them some Kool Aid and a hot dog. And <laughs> have, oh, Henry, uh, you're such a cynic. You're such a cynic. He also has the women. He also has the Oh, do they oh. have women too? But yeah. I only see African Americans. <laughs> well, African American women. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And also, by the way, uh, this also reeks at the fact that the looters also look like these people. They're not people of color. They are African Americans, and uh, really? that's what concerns me. And, and that ought to concern the Dem they, that ought to concern the uh, Democrat Party too, because I you're condemning a lot of young black people to that kind of of scandal. Stigma, stigma. No, I stigma. saw pictures. I saw pictures. I saw pictures there. A whole lot of white faces doing that looting. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you do. I'm not discounting those. Those are the people who really count because they vote. You gotta have the whites there because you know people are trying to defend the rage of uh, protesters who then allegedly become looters, and yeah. I I just don't buy that you know righteous anger. I think looters are opportunists all day long. So do I. They are. They're criminals. They're out there to get what they can. See, I know Democrats believe that. This was true, that uh, people who go out and riot and loot stuff, they also meet the the uh, disappointment of Democrats as well as Republicans. And there's some, they, evidence, some evidence that some of the looters really were simply traveling around to, to, the, to various demonstrations looking for places to rob. They yeah. weren't protesting an issue. They were looking for stores to crash into uh, yeah. and steal from. And so, so it may be, it may not really be the the protesters who are doing it. There may, you know, it may simply be an element that takes advantage of these things and uses them as a good chance to steal a bunch of stuff. Yep, and they're looking for the distraction of the of the protesters to get yeah. and get away with it. Yeah. 
And, and you know, and, and there's my point, and, and this there's my concern. Uh, you know, uh, we should not condemn a segment of the population to that kind of a scandal, and that's young black Americans who go out and do that. I don't they're, do that. They're unskilled. They're uh, uncouth. They have not a plan. They don't know what the outcome will be. They don't know how they're going to be uh, uh, evaluated here after this is all over. They don't know what they're going to get. And they probably, unless it's a bullet. we got a, um, we got a break there, Henry. We'll uh, come back with the uh, X-Files right after hey, this. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular 
doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we get into the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program and Armchair Politics. We uh, turn now to The X-Files, and uh, always my favorite part of the show, especially uh, when Florida factors in. File it, <laughs> file it under pizza toppings only offered in Florida. State inspectors found an 80-pound, 36-kilogram iguana stashed in the freezer at a local pizza joint. Pizza Mambo in West Palm Beach was forced to close for a day last week following the inspection by the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation. The restaurant could not be reached for comment, but an employee told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that the reptile was given as a personal gift to the owner. It was stored in a separate freezer away from the restaurant's food and was immediately trashed after they were informed it was a violation. Non-native iguanas are multiplying so rapidly in South Florida that a state wildlife agency has been encouraging people to kill them. Iguanas aren't dangerous or aggressive to humans, but they damage seawalls, sidewalks, landscape foliage, and can dig lengthy tunnels. The males can grow to at least five feet and uh, weigh nearly 20 pounds, and female iguanas can lay nearly 80 eggs a year. The reptile is considered a delicacy by some. One company even makes iguana sausages and burgers. (laughs) Would you want an iguana on your pizza? (laughs) I, I always thought that the pineapple pizza was the worst kind of pizza around, but I'm not so sure anymore. Now we know where COVID comes from. Well, this is this is kind of the uh, critter edition of uh, of uh, the X Files. Um, 
a young mountain lion that had been spotted sleeping in a planter box along a normally busy street and looking at his reflection in the glass of an office tower in downtown San Francisco was safely captured Thursday and released into the wild, officials said. The disoriented cougar roamed the streets for two days until he was spotted by a police officer near Oracle Park, home of the San Francisco Giants, said Officer Adam Lobsinger. Uh, he's a police spokesman. Officers set up a perimeter and waited for animal control officials to arrive. They safely captured the 50-pound cat in an apartment building's green area with lots of shrubbery without the use of sedatives, animal care and uh, control spokeswoman uh, Deb Campbell said. In 24 hours, it only moved a few blocks. The poor guy really needed some help, she said. How unusual is it to spot a disoriented cougar in San Francisco? <laughs> take take that in pretty common. Take that any way you want. It depends upon what time it is and whether the bar is closed. That's right. <laughs> hey, did we? Um, I, I know we kind of ran off schedule a little bit last week, but did we get to? Uh, Hitler's alligator? No. no. Okay. No. All right. An alligator that survived a bombing raid on Berlin during World War II and was rumored to have once belonged to Nazi tyrant Adolf Hitler died at the Moscow Zoo on Friday. He was 84. The zoo said in an online statement that the alligator, named Saturn, was a picky eater who loved getting massaged with a brush. Saturn was given the utmost care and attention, the zoo said. When Saturn was born in the United States in 1936, he was gifted to the Berlin Zoo almost immediately. The Berlin Zoo was hit during several bombing raids in World War II, and in 1943, the um, facility was destroyed by one, killing many of the animals and releasing the others. It's unclear where Saturn was for the next three years. In 1946, Saturn was gifted by British forces in Berlin to the Soviets who delivered the gator to the Moscow Zoo. Almost immediately, the myth was born that he was allegedly in the collection of Hitler and not in the Berlin Zoo. Um, no direct connection between Saturn and Hitler has ever been substantiated. Even if the alligator had belonged to Hitler, the zoo said, animals are not involved in war and politics. It is absurd <laughs> to blame them for human sins. The oldest alligator in captivity is another World War II survivor, Muja, gifted to the Belgrade Zoo in Serbia in 1936, according to the Guinness World Records. Muja was already an adult at the time and is believed to be in his 90s. Alligators in the mm. wild typically live up to the age of about 50. Does the idea of Hitler owning an alligator... Uh, let me start again. Does the idea of Hitler owning an alligator sound like a crock? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh that's a bad joke <laughs> well Hitler could do whatever he wished <laughs> pretty much Donald Trump thinks he would like to emulate that I think yeah. I, I don't think I, I have ever read or heard where where Hitler was known for 
keeping exotic pets or, or weird collectibles. I didn't, I didn't hear that either. There was that story about his canary, I think, at some point. Ava Broad? Well, other than that, I've never heard no. of any other pets at all. <laughs> yeah, but don't you remember Donald Trump was talking about building a moat and filling it with snakes and alligators? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He, he tossed that out as a, apparently a serious... Uh, oh, yeah, along the wall. Along the right. wall. Yeah, in the Mexican so well, that, would, that would be a deterrent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he didn't want, uh, he didn't do it to be mean, but he knew that people who knew that they were there would not take the risk. No, they were just Kings and Queens. Kings <laughs> did that back in uh, 1453. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Most around castles. Let's go back to 1453 and make America great again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most, most Indians would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there wouldn't be any statues of Christopher Columbus to knock That's over. right. That's right. <laughs> or, or, or maybe an alligator. Or, or they could trip into the river. <laughs> Did you hear about that one? People who uh, toppled a, a statue and dumped it in the river. I can't remember what city it was in. It was a Civil War-related statue, I think. And uh, when confronted by authorities, they said he tripped. <laughs> yeah. But you guys take this uh, very passively. But that's the worst thing you could do to the country, is to destroy monuments that belong to our culture. That's like going to Greece and destroying all those great statues or to Rome or Italy that make us who we are today. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Henry, because I had a piece and we didn't get to it because uh, we were running out of time that, uh, that addressed that very issue and basically asked the question, isn't this uh, sort of akin to revisionist history? Yeah. No, we're not changing history. We're just not honoring no. the people well, that's who committed treason. I think if you saw statues of Hitler in Germany, or Benito Mussolini in Italy, or some of the other despots and dictators that have made it across the world into the countries where they came from, then they could justify it. Concentration yeah. camps no, are you still guys, standing. You guys know that many of your parents were probably people who had the same kind of characteristics as Robert E. Lee or any of those people who you dumped into the river. And why do you want to pick on the Southern people? And I, as I said last week, that this is, that's an institution that brought lots of wealth to this country. And you know, I, I, everybody in the country uh, was not that amenable or like the blacks. If you go went downtown Flint, in 1950, you would find the same kind of behavior. Of course, but you it was hidden. It was hidden. And many of them were your parents and grandparents, and maybe yourself. No, so we, need, uh, to, we need to lay off the statues, and we need to lay off the South. As nations change, you change your history a bit. I, you know, when the Soviet Union fell, they got rid of a lot of statues of Stalin and Lenin. Now, now, and I, actually, I hope they save some for a museum. I don't. I don't. We think we need to destroy him, but put him in a museum. That's what the, what the Soviets did with some of their old statues. With when the Soviet Union fell apart. Well, we've got now, guys. We, we've got to end it there, Henry. Okay. <laughs> Henry, a quick final um, word. Okay, now the, I just got a a note from the Congressional Black Caucus, which I joined, and 
help them cover things to let people know that I look at both sides of the issue. They just said that uh, the vote by mail just passed and now is law. They, they Interesting. Anyway, we got to wrap it up, and okay. I, I want to say thanks to uh, Bobby Walton for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure, Bobby. Good talking to you, Bobby. Paul Henry, thanks. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.